0: So these are your hosts grace kim and priscilla hello hello from the mis and cap team and welcome to the real women's forum where we discuss topics including but not limited to trusted relationships sexual health hygiene racial issues and misogyny recently we have added subjects that pertain to youth and have created a section under our podcast named adolescence with an x where
1: we will speak on topics that specifically relate to the youth in our community Before we start, a small disclaimer, the Real Women's Forum podcast does not issue any medical advice. Instead, the podcast serves as a safe and brave space for women and other members of the community to discuss, voice common concerns, and share their experiences. We encourage you to visit MISN's website to seek information on our specialized programs regarding health insurance, Improving birth outcomes and educating teens on the risks of being sexually active.
0: Today, we are here with Allison Fisher, the Director of Social Programs for the Mental Health Association in Orange County, as well as Priscilla Bill, our Executive Administrative Program Assistant, who will be joining us in the conversation today. Welcome, Allison, and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much
1: for having me, ladies. Of course. So why don't you start out with telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do?
2: Absolutely. So uh, my name is Allison Fisher, as you said, I'm the director of social programs here at MHA in Orange County. Um, I started with MHA just short of three years ago, came on as the community relations manager. So I used to just oversee the social programs in Middletown. Um, It's now evolved that I have programs both in Middletown and Newburgh and clients all over the county, anywhere from Port Jervis to Crawford to, you know, down on this end in Cornwall, you know, wherever they are. Uh, What I, in particular, my division offers are social programs, because we know how important friendship is to our well-being. I think everybody learned that lesson in 2020 if they didn't know it already. So our programs are just there for you. You know, of course, sometimes the things you tell friends are usually a lot more than what you'll tell a provider, right, in a medical setting. So, you know, our programs do connect with some various serious issues, but the way we um, build that trust and relationships is through social Um, interactions and helping the individuals in our programs to feel a sense of community and to also interact with others out in the community, you know, to feel safe in a larger space than just uh, our programming. That's amazing work that you do. And uh, we thank you for that. What are the mental health issues that teenagers are currently facing? And are there any common symptoms to look out for? You know, I think the biggest thing that our teens are facing, and this is a hard one for teens all the time, is ambiguity and feeling safe, right? Because we don't know what's going to be happening next. So that's a big one. You know, when I used to talk about, uh, I used to teach a lot of classes on resilience and um, dealing with ambiguity is one of the skills that we have to develop as humans. The unknown is naturally scary to us. So teenagers are, are working on developing that part of their brain. And right now they're working on it during a time when we really as adults or people with experience in this world don't know what's going to be happening next, whether that be with COVID or school shootings or violence or civil unrest. There's a lot going on in kids' lives. So I think that's what they're facing. You know, some of the signs to look for as parents, you know, treat mental health the same way you treat physical health. You know, if your child had a cold or uh, that was dragging on for a long time, it might not seem like a big deal, but if a cold lasts, you know, a long time, four or five weeks, you would go get that checked out. You know, where the same, where you start noticing maybe a lowered mood or a change in your child's attitude or a change in their friends, a change in their structure, a change in their behavior patterns, get it checked out by a provider, you know, m- mental health is health. So that's one of the most important things. Um, our text routines program that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 845 uh, 391 they can call us at 1-800-342-2400 to get in touch with us um, or dial 311, but reaching out to those counselors, whether it's just to talk through a situation, they have all the resources that our call center has. Another thing you can do is if you think that your child is experiencing some symptoms and you want to do a screening in the privacy of your homes that no one know, ever would know about, but can give you as a parent some information is go to mhanational.org. That's our national affiliate, uh, Mental Health America, same as Mental Health Association, just a a rebranded name and go to their screening tools. There's specifically a parent tool. And then there's also a tool there that youth can use directly as well. And that'll screen for the most common mental health issues that uh, all of us face, but especially are prevalent in adolescence, that depression, anxiety that we're all feeling.
0: Thank you, Uh, I wanna make sure that our listeners take advantage of these amazing resources. There's a lot of resources being offered from MHA, so please make sure that if you do need any assistance to contact MHA.
2: I just wanted to say our friends program too, we have a a program for youth that um, is up nine to 17 years old. We break that into two groups because the nine year olds and the 17 year olds don't always have a ton in common, but those groups are just social interaction with a little bit of guidance and giving them the skills to go have those sorts of social interactions. So if someone's really struggling, uh, they don't necessarily need to come always. We do it in six-week chunks. So maybe they come for six weeks, they get some skills they can utilize within their social groups, and they can go out and, and, you know, do that in the larger world.
1: I'm really glad that MHA is offering programs like that, because I think that with the pandemic, and even though it seems like things have mostly gone back to normal, that a lot of people were already struggling with social anxiety and then having to be at home and be by yourself. People got very comfortable in their own little bubbles. And so re-socializing again could definitely be hard, especially maybe for a child who struggles to make friends or isn't just really comfortable with that aspect of life and still figuring it out. And so I'm I'm really glad that y'all have a program like that because I can really help them to like reacclimate themselves with socializing and just practice some of the skills that can be applied as we look towards the school year and what's to come.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a safe space for them to do that, you know, to be able to come together and practice that. And if they you know, something goes a little bit wrong, there are the adults, there are the leaders that are able to refocus and give them some tools for dealing with situations like that out there in the future. So the nice thing about those programs, the one and text routines, as well as the friends program is no diagnosis is required. We just require that, People need some help with their, some social skills and behavior. There's no note from a doctor, no note from anybody. We just need some information from parents about what's going on so we can help.
0: So mental health is something that's very important and close to me. Uh, my sister is diagnosed with anxiety. And I know that something that makes her anxiety really become prevalent is going back to school and getting closer to, you know, starting classes again with the end of the last school year in June and September quickly approaching. Some teenagers will be going through a huge transitioning entering middle school, high school, and even college. What advice would you give to these teenagers who may be feeling anxious or stressed about such a huge change, or maybe feeling stressed and anxious about going back to school?
2: Try to see what it's like. Um, I used to teach a lot of classes uh, to kindergartners, getting ready for kindergarten, right? And there, their anxiety was a lot around the lunchroom. How am I, where am I going to put my stuff? Um, What's it going to look like? And to be honest... Those are the same questions middle schoolers, high schoolers, those getting ready for college are going to have. But it's just the stuff that's different, you know, the stuff that you need to get together to prepare. So I suggest, you know, starting those school supply shopping early, right? Because you can start to see what it'll look like. You can feel very ready um, by getting them. And also, it's a little fun. You know, you want to go shop with uh, your mom or parent or whoever else and get whatever's going to make you excited about school. And also, taking advantage of any tours that aren't going to be happening at the building a lot of times schools will open up there usually is a freshman orientation my daughter in particular goes to cornwall and she's entering high school so i'm right there with you i feel that anxiety as well and they're offering a uh, freshman orientation one day so i'm absolutely making sure that she goes to that and they're offering a parents night where I'm going to go and make sure that I collect all that information. What I can do as a parent to help her ease her anxiety and nerves about high school. I also encourage um, children to talk to if they have an older sibling or a friend with an older sibling who has been there before, maybe knows the teachers, giving them a call. And, uh, and just asking about it because the more you learn, again, it's that unknown, that ambiguity, right? Am I going to be able to open my locker? Is my locker going to be close enough to my homeroom? Will I see my friends during the day? Am I going to running up and down Stairs all day because of my schedule. Those are the sorts of things that, um, you know, if you once you figure them out and you create a plan, plan can really help with that anxiety. You could also create, you know, a set of coping mechanisms. Write them down, create a plan. When I'm feeling anxious, these are some things I can do. There are easy things like counting down your fingers, notice things that you smell, see, feel, and hear to slow you down as well. So just revisiting those tools that a lot of people use, and you can use discreetly in the middle of the hallway, the classroom, during a test, all of those things. So just planning out your strategies, as well as getting as good of an idea of what your day is going to look like as possible. And then just, you know, this is hard advice for somebody with anxiety, and that's something I struggle with as well. Just try to go with the flow, take your breath, see what's going on, and just kind of pay attention. And if you need help, You know, the great thing about all of the levels of education in in the United States is that we have social workers, we have psychologists, we have counselors, and we have teachers that are trained in behavioral health and emotional intelligence. So reach out to those resources if you're feeling it. Find an adult or an older friend that you can trust and go to when one of those moments happens. When you're having a bad day, create that as part of your plan um, to address that anxiety.
1: Thank you for sharing all that. For all of our listeners, I hope you're taking notes. You know, I'm personally starting school in the fall, so I'm definitely going to be taking a lot of that into account. And I've been starting to get myself ready as well. I know you touched a little bit about like the ambiguity of change and stuff and like how that may affect teams or just people in general, but can you expand a little bit on that and talk a little bit more about why teams or just I mean everyone I guess struggles with change.
2: Um, I mean, because we don't know what's going to happen next, right? I mean, that's the thing about change is is it's different and it's new. So, uh, you know, back when we were cave people, you know, living off the land, it was good to create a routine. We were wired to create a routine because a routine means safety, right? Back then it meant safety from, you know, uh, from predators and uh, natural disasters and things like that. So our brains as humans are hardwired to like patterns. We like categorizing things. We like putting things into boxes. And keeping them there. It makes us feel safe and good because we know what's going to happen. Ambiguity means you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and it's challenging for a lot of people. I was a military spouse for a good number of years. And so I got a lot of practice in ambiguity because we had very little control of our lives about where we were going or um, when we were going or when we were going to be together as a family. That was something that was out of our hands. So focusing on what, there's a lot of things in life we can't control. And that becomes incredibly apparent to us when we're living in a time of ambiguity because we feel like the ground's out from underneath of us. So um, what I encourage people to do to deal with that, some of it, you just have to sit with that uncomfortableness and just kind of get used to it. And that's not a fun process. So the way you can deal with that is figuring out what you can control. You can always control your attitude. You can always control how you're thinking about something. So trying to frame it is really positive. And when those challenges come in or you do notice those dangers, you know, uh, they're not the saber tooth tiger anymore, but they might be like a math test or, you know, um, a teacher having a completely different set of expectations than than last year's teacher had. So that when those things come into place that you can, you know, deal with them and, uh, you know, frame how you're going to react to that individual Threat, rather than thinking of, oh, my God, these are all these things out here that could possibly happen to me. And we've all done it. We've all uh, run through rumination in our brain of all the bad things that can happen. Our brain is hardwired that way. Again, that saber-tooth tire, those natural disasters. We're not wired to look for good things. So you have to train in your brain instead of looking just for threats still important to look for threats, right? But to also look for opportunities for growth and for um, the chance to find something out new about ourselves or control a new part of our life. So looking for those areas where you can't control, and even if it's just your reaction to things, at least that's something, right? You still have that individual autonomy. Uh, and I think that's probably our biggest tool in confronting ambiguity. Wow. Yes. And it's true. Adults do also face these same issues, right? So as teens, they feel even bigger, Right. And how could parents, Allison, support their teens if they're experiencing anxiety or any other mental health issues
0: related, you know, to, to school, going back to school? I know you mentioned, um, you know, take a tour, which is great. Even the counting on the fingers. I love that, you know, just to calm
2: down and slow down the heartbeat a little bit, <laughs> you know, calm down that anxiety. Do you have any other ways uh, that parents can support their teens through this experience? Just listening. Right. And not um, not discounting what they're going through, because the reason that kids, I think, don't think that adults go through ambiguity is that they don't see the whole process. We've internalized that right now. Usually we're not throwing tempered tantrums. We can uh, you know, have a very calm face and be thinking through a, a situation, sometimes maybe not so much, but they think that we don't have any ambiguity anymore that we have all the answers. And so just opening up and saying, when you feel challenged, you know, sharing stories about work or high school, or, you know, when you experience something similar, to let them know they're not alone and give them this text for teens number, right? Give them the 845-391-1000 and, uh, you know, encourage them to reach out. Kids want to protect their parents. And a lot of times they think that they're not allowed to talk about it. They're not allowed to talk about what goes on at home, only talk about good things, only talk about positive things, um, but let them know that the world is larger than just you and that you were always there to listen. And, you know, something I have to tell myself often is fix your face. So don't be surprised. Don't react initially as a parent. And, you know, create a safe space, however hard and challenging that is for you, for them to talk, because that's where you're going to really find out what's going on. So giving them that space and being open and honest about your own mental health, I think is the biggest thing and letting them know that, you know, as an adult, there's still a lot of ambiguity out there. If they need help, If they would like to talk to somebody, help them find that help. If you don't know a provider in your area or you can't find one through your insurance, call three one one. That's something that we we can help you with. Uh, They try to keep up as much as they can with who's accepting patients, you know, even what insurances they carry. Uh, Often their pediatrician can offer some advice as well and give you some tools. And don't be afraid to let your child go to therapy. That can be really scary, a child talking to another adult, whether it's in school, you know, through a counselor or social worker or an appointment made out of school. If they they need that, don't be afraid to let them. And know that it's not a, a comment on your ability to parent. You know, I think that's what a lot of parents are afraid of is that if there's something wrong with their child, that it's Wrong because of them, because of something they did. And the easiest way to tear down that stigma is to talk about it, you know, bring things into the light of day. So I just encourage conversations and to try and listen before you parent because, you know, not everything that comes out is going to be something that you want to hear. And you may have your own personal biases and reactions to this information. So try to be in the moment, in the conversation. And if you need to, give yourself time to process and that's okay to say to your kid too, like, wow, you give me a lot of new information now. It's really changed my perspective. Can we talk again later or tomorrow and, uh, you know, allow yourself that time to process. I find, um, in my work and in my personal life that, um, when I'm trying to connect with an individual about a topic that isn't maybe so comfortable. And sometimes mental health is uncomfortable, just like physical health. We don't always want to talk about it, but in the vehicle, right? uh, It's kind of like a trapped space and it's also kind of quiet and intimate. So when I would be driving my children around, that was the best time to talk to them about any of this because they were alone with me in the car. I wasn't looking directly at them. So that made them feel a little more comfortable. and paying attention to the road. There are other things going on. And I found that uh, both participants in our programs and my, my children um, tend to open up in the car. So, you know, don't get any accidents, definitely practice defensive driving, but I found that space to be a good one.
0: And I will say that, so I'm Latina, and at least from what I've witnessed in my culture, mental health is very stigmatized. Uh, we don't really open up about it. Family doesn't talk about it. Uh, and so when my sister was diagnosed with anxiety, it was very hard for my parents to understand why she was going through what she was going through. And there was a lack of like understanding. So it was like very tough for all of us to come and support her. But thankfully we know that her health is important and her mental health matters. So we started just listening to her, like you said, and we started talking about it. And I'm hoping that through more conversation and through having these discussions and, you know, that they're more understanding of, you know, what we feel and what we're going through. And so yeah, I'm hoping that we help and break down the stigma because I know that a lot of teens and yeah, adults in general are experiencing a lot of mental health issues. So I know that you did mention the 311 and the text for teens, but are there any additional resources that the Mental Health Association offers to both teens and to the parents of teens who are experiencing mental health issues? There's lots of
2: um, mental health support for parents. So it depends. You know, We have a lot of different programs. Honestly, the best way if you're having an issue... The best way to figure out who can help you and where has the resources you need to call 3 because they're a partnership between Orange County Mental Health. Association in Orange County, independent living, um, and access supports for living. So if you just need to talk, because again, I guess it's going to emphasize how important talking is. We ha- also have family support groups, but those run every month. You can get them from our MHA website, um, but there's basically one a week. Um, our family support team are all individuals who are uh, family support peers, which means they have their own lived experience with a child having mental illness. They've been there, and they've gone through the systems, and sometimes that's all an individual needs. And so, a lot of our referrals to that program do come through the call center. Uh, we have lots of other things around care coordination, which is really focusing on health and advocacy for individuals with two uh, chronic illnesses. It doesn't even ne- necessarily need to be a mental illness. That really support individuals connecting with their providers. You know, we have housing. We have our Hudson House program, which is what I'm sitting inside of right now, which is an adult social psychosocial clubhouse a lot of our members do have children and you know part of the way they deal with their mental health challenges is by coming here and socializing with friends what you guys are doing here is so important because we fear again what we don't know we're going to come back I guess the theme today besides mental health is the ambiguity and the unknown right there are people not within my lifetime but within my parents lifetime so she's my mom is um, in her 60s not that old. And during her lifetime, if you had a mental illness, you were going to be institutionalized. So we literally took those people out of our society. So we don't know what mental health looks like. We don't know what an individual with schizophrenia looks like or an individual with severe anxiety. It's like, because we put it away for so many years. So I, I think as we interact with people, goal, most of the goals of my programs are just to get people to um, be able to interact and feel comfortable interacting in the larger world. And I think that's the biggest advice that you can give to parents, loved ones, family members, or those speaking or living with mental health challenges is talk to people and keep talking about it um, because bringing light to it, getting to know people with mental illness, sharing your challenges is what's gonna break the stigma ultimately.
1: I think the theme of our discussion today has been communicate, because not only is that going to kind of alleviate some of the stress or anxiety that you're dealing with, but it's also going to help those around you to understand what you have going on and help them figure out what the best way to support and help you is. So of course, reach out to the Mental Health Association if you need access to any of their resources. Allison gave us both of their phone numbers today. But thank you so much, Allison, for taking the time to speak with us today and for giving us insight onto all the resources that your organization offers and some tips and tricks to help teens and their parents as we're in a season of adjusting and dealing with ambiguity. Yeah, it has truly been very enlightening and super helpful. And I hope that our listeners gained a lot of resources and tools that they can use as they move forward with entering the new school year. Mm
2: Thank you. Also be on the lookout for um, MHA International. Uh, Mental Health America always puts about a back-to-school kit. It usually addresses whatever's um, going on. Last year it was a lot about being undecided and before that a lot around COVID and re-entering socialization. So we'll be distributing that to the Orange County community and also posting it on our social media. Please follow us at MHA in Orange County on any of the uh, social media platforms and there'll be tons of information on, on all all sorts of things
0: there. Thank you. If anyone listening is being interviewed or knows someone that may be interested in being interviewed for our podcast, please reach out to us via text or call at 845
1: 248 3942. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>